0: Podcast for Chi Alpha at the University of Oregon. My name is Cassie and I'm your host. Today I have the privilege of chatting about marriage with Joey and John. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys.
1: Thanks for having us. It's good to be here.
0: Woo! I'm glad you guys are here too. Our focus for this series is how to keep God at the center of our lives, no matter what our relationship status is. This week we'll be talking about how our Christian faith affects the way that we think about marriage we'll share some thoughts from our own experiences with the goal of helping you think about marriage in a way that still honors Jesus as a first priority. As usual, this episode will just be the beginning of a conversation. If you'd like to talk with us more about this in person, we would be happy to do that. With that, let's get started. Let's give a brief summary of our experiences with marriage just so that our listeners can get a sense of where we're coming from. I'll go first, because I'm not married. Uh, But I am engaged, so I met Trent um, as an intern. We've talked about that on previous episodes. Um, And we started dating and we were dating for a good few years um, and got to this point of like, yeah, I think us dating, like us together, um, make a greater impact for the kingdom. Um, We're able to be faithful and encourage each other um, more than we could as two individual single people. And so uh, Trent and I were like, hey, we we should move on the marriage track, so we did. Um, We got engaged last summer, and uh, we're 25 years old, and I have not been married yet, but I will be soon.
2: June,
1: coming up.
0: So so that's my, you know, non-experience of marriage.
1: John, how about you? I have been married to my wonderful wife, Maya, for a little over three years now. Um, We both, uh, we met in college up at Western Washington University. Uh, We dated for just around two years. Oh man, Maya would kill me if I don't remember I think it was a little over two years and um, yeah we got married after I graduated from college she had already been uh, graduated for about two years and yeah we've been we've been through a lot of hard things in our couple years first couple years of being married and um, yeah everything that we've been through has only brought us closer together so I am a better man a better Christian a better campus pastor because um, because of my wife so I love her and it's going great
2: Shout out, Maya, on the podcast.
1: Yep, shout out.
2: My wife, Daviel, and I met in Chi Alpha in college. Uh, we went our first date right before she graduated, like a month before, so college sweethearts um, for like a month. And, uh, and we dated, got engaged over the course of two years, married in 2013, and, um, yeah, we just added our third kid. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Shout out Addy on the podcast. Also should shout out Marcus and Cloa because they've not been shouted out yet in any of the other podcasts. So are they listening? All fairness, no. But um, and uh, yeah, we've done a move from Washington to Oregon. And um, anyways, I could I could share lots of highlights along the way, but I'm sure they'll come up as we talk more.
0: Cool. Thanks guys. Okay, so you two are married. What are some common myths about marriage that you think we should get out of the way right from the beginning? either things that you've believed or things that you've seen other people believe.
2: I really thought marriage was like, I don't know if I would ever have said this prior to being married, but I think I thought it was gonna fix all problems and it would be beautiful and glorious forever and we'd never have any fights and that's just not true. Marriage (laughs) like anything else is like hard work and maybe it's one of the hardest things you do because so much of your life is just shared with someone else and you never have like opened up your life that intimately with someone else before. Mm-hmm. And so I think to have a healthy marriage, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of humility and vulnerability and a lot of um, intentionality with each other. So um, yeah, marriage didn't solve all my problems. A lot of my problems that I had before marriage just traveled with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so it doesn't mean that marriage hasn't been a joyous uh, journey. It's been full of joy and it's been well worth it. But that would have been good to know. I think going into it, like I think I I was a little unintentionally shocked in my first few years of like, oh, this is still a process. This is still this is still gonna take some work. Mm -hmm. And so, I think one and one example that comes to mind. I I think there was a picture. You get a picture in your mind at times that marriage is gonna just be this fulfilling experience relationally. Like now that I have this person, my my relationships and, and all that come with that, like, will feel fulfilled. Um, but I think over time, especially my first few years of being married, realize, like, oh, my wife like, cannot fulfill all of my relationship needs or desires. Um, she fulfills plenty. Um, she's, uh, there's not anyone closer in my life that, I, that knows more about me than anyone else. Um, but I still need friends. Like, I still need community. I still need other people um, in my life to, to talk things through, and so um, I think that was that was one that I had to learn early on.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, one myth that I want to talk about really quick is um, that your spouse will always agree with you. I thought that because um, I was so thoughtful, because I came from Chi Alpha, because my wife came from a Chi Alpha background, where we do one-on-ones and we talk about how we're feeling, and then we. We come to a resolution and decide what we're gonna do and everything's all good. I thought that we would never never have disagreements, Mm -hmm. that that she would always agree with me, Mm -hmm. um, that I would always agree with her. And that is not the case. Um, I can remember within our first week of being married, I thought that we could go and hang out with friends every single night of the week. And my wife, Maya, was like, no, I'm. We've already done that like three times this week. Let's just <laughs> hang out the two of us. And I thought, oh, but there's there's like a party to go to. There's something fun to go do, and we hadn't talked about um, like how we would spend our free time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that what I wanted to do was automatically what she wanted to do, <laughs> and so um, we didn't we didn't agree on that. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah.
2: I think another one thing that that makes me think about is that a, a great marriage is one that doesn't have any conflict. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's definitely not true. And I think there's even different types of conflict. Sometimes we have conflict just because we're broken people and we, um, you know, make dumb choices or say dumb things. And but sometimes I didn't realize that there, there's certain conflict that Daviel and I have on a regular basis that are just because we're different people. I think like what you were just saying, like, um, or we have different values, like different convictions and so um, it's totally okay that we just have this reoccurring conflict because of the way that God made us. And, um, and if, as long as we navigate it well and we're open and communicate it, that, that actually makes us a better unit because we're more aware of the different types of people around us. Like I've learned a lot about other people because I'm married to mm-hmm. another person who's different from me. Um, but that, I think that was... Um, a myth that I, I thought like, well, yeah, I think similar to you, we we love Jesus, you know, like mm-hmm. we're mature,
0: mm-hmm.
2: we're, we're not going to have any conflict, and, um, and we were mature, and we are mature, and we still have conflict, mm-hmm. and sometimes our conflict isn't even because we're immature, sometimes it's just because we're different, and we have different mm-hmm. values that rub up against each other, so you're not any, you know, John, you're not any um, better than Maya because you want to hang out more on a weeknight than she is. Mm -hmm. You guys just have different values and different things that you bring you joy and different things that make you tick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think the mark of maturity in that situation is not having less conflict. It's that, you know, how to handle conflict wisely and you know, what honors the other person and what they need in order to work through that and feel like, okay, we can move forward. It's not that you never have the disagreement in the first place.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: I think something that you highlighted earlier, Joey, that I just, I want to make sure we state explicitly is like marriage is not a cure for your loneliness. Um, We've actually talked about this in all three episodes, but what, you know, whatever your relationship status is, it doesn't fix your loneliness. Your loneliness is part of this broken human condition that we experience until we're reunited with God. And so whether we're in, you know, whether we're in a relationship or not, we're, we're called to seek community in those times. And there are still times where whatever it is, we're still going to experience loneliness. That's just part of being a human. And I'm not married yet, but I would imagine that in marriage, there's also room for loneliness too.
2: Oh, absolutely. Especially in, in seasons of conflict. You know, in some ways it can even accentuate your loneliness. If you don't have people outside of your marriage to navigate your own marriage, then you're just gonna feel even more lonely. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's not gonna solve your problem for loneliness. It is gonna add, if, I think if you care well for each other, it's gonna add a very deep friend for life. Mm-hmm. So I, it, I do think it addresses some, some level of like relational solo, you know, life. Um, but yeah, it's not the, the, full,
1: the full picture of, of, uh, of community. Right, I think that marriage uh, is an opportunity to address your loneliness, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you will because you could either take that opportunity to have deep uh, conversations and, and, and talk to one another or um, depending on your rhythm of life or your job, you could actually create even more loneliness by being married. There's one more thing that we're not <laughs> And everyone is thinking about it right now. Every, there's one more thing. One more thing. We all it's, just
0: looked at each other and we're like, it's, okay.
1: It's sex. We have to address that. <laughs> a common myth in marriage or that people assume marriage is going to address or fix is sex. I think especially in Christian culture, um, a lot of Christian people who have a, there's a culture of abstinence, there's a culture of like anti-sex. I don't know if we're going to talk more about that later, but um
0: Uh, Is Christianity anti-sex, John? uh, I think
1: some people might be, but um, just in this this culture where we're we're waiting to to have sex for marriage, um, then marriage and the pursuit of marriage can become all about that moment when you can have sex. And sometimes it can cloud your judgment of who you want to marry, when you want to get married, how you want to get married, because all you're thinking about or or most of what you're thinking about is how you can figure out how to have sex with this person that you're attracted to. Um, so, and and I also will be honest that when I was dating Maya, um, it was something that I battled through as a oh, as a young uh, young man. So, yeah,
2: sex is one of those things that um, it's like both been an amazing blessing in our married life, but just like everything else in marriage, is like this process that you go through like you don't just arrive and have great sex all of a sudden like and just by being able to have sex doesn't like fulfill all the other needs that we have in our lives and so I too like got caught up but in a especially in the church world kind of this like you just couldn't wait to get married because there's this delightful fruit at the end that you're just going to enjoy and it's going to solve everything and so and I think it's not just in the church, like culture at times can like speak to the kind of the, uh, the erotic and the sex piece as being the thing that's going to be, you know, how many movies have we seen that it's like sleeping together is like kind of what brought them together, you know? And it's just not like, it's not the, um, it's not the thing that's going to solve all of your marital issues. It's not going to be the thing that makes marriage perfect. So I think Jesus is incredibly pro-sex, and sex has been like a super big blessing in our lives. But if I depend on this solely for everything else and all my fulfillment, I'm going to be left really disappointed. And I think that was the narrative that I had going into being married.
1: I think another another part of it is thinking um, you might be having sex all the time, I think, I, I don't know what book it was that I read, but this author actually broke down on average how much time per year and per month and per week um, a healthy couple would spend having sex, and it was like nothing. So um, I think that... Compared from, to
0: the rest of marriage.
1: Compared to the rest...
0: Right, the rest, the of, rest the of The rest
1: of the time. time of marriage, yeah. yeah. And um, and so I think for, for me going in, I think a, a lot of people they might think, or maybe even this is just on the, the men's side, you think, oh, I'm going to have sex all the time, when um, really when you think about it, you're going to be doing a lot of other things for the most part. Um, sex is a very, very small thing. And then um, also within that, um, it takes a lot of work. Like it's not, whether you've your your mind or your judgment has been clouded from, from watching porn or maybe movies, um, it's going to take a lot of work. And you're going to, you might be terrible. You might not. <laughs> You might not know what's going on, or there might be trauma in your in mm-hmm. your past or your spouse's past that makes intimacy and sex really difficult. And so it's more about, like, working together for a common good than just, like, oh, I'm going to please myself. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyways, common myth, sex. But it's still wonderful and still great. <laughs> <Wait>.
0: <laughs> Is the sex mythical, John?
1: <laughs> yes. It's a Greek
2: mythical mm-hmm. god oh, boy. or something. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm.
0: I think what I hear you guys saying in just various ways is, like, having sex on its own is not a good reason to get married, right? It's not a good reason to pick a a particular person. It's not the one thing you should be looking forward to. Like, there's so much more that goes into a marriage, a healthy marriage, than just sex and wanting to have that desire be fulfilled. And even maybe when you're married, like, that desire won't always be fulfilled in the ways that you hope for it to be. Right? It's a lot more complicated than that. And as you work on the other aspects of your marriage, that will affect your sex life, but that's not all there is. Yeah. There's a lot more to it. I think it's
2: helpful just to see it in a lot of the same ways that you see the rest of married life, in that it takes work, it takes effort, it takes a lot of good listening, and it's not about yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, the best sex is the one that cares more about the other person. And so I think for many, the myth is that the sex is the... end-all be-all that's gonna um, be the glue that keeps a marriage together for a long time and Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it will be great your first time maybe it will be great later but um, but i think just the mentality that it's it's a progress process Mm -hmm. just like anything else in marriage
0: yeah i think something i want to address before we move on um, is there's all sorts of different maybe myths is the right word of things related to sexual brokenness or having sex outside of the marriage context. And like, what does God think about that? Um, And we won't be able to go into all of that in this podcast. But I think one, one myth that I've heard is, well, if I'm already having sex with someone, then we should just get married because then it's sanctioned by God. I don't think that's true. I think God encourages us to be faithful in whatever season we're in. And that means taking sex off the table until marriage. And that... Like, starting a marriage out of something where you're already not being obedient to God is not going to set you up for a healthy marriage either. Um, So just if you're sexually active in a particular relationship, that's not the same as being married to God. And I think we need to consider that when we think about the relationships we're in or where we're headed. Like There's more to marriage than that. And God calls us to be whole and faithful people in whatever season that we're in. that's not to say that sexual brokenness and healing from sexual brokenness can't be part of your marriage. And Mm -hmm. I I see that, you know, I'm engaged to Trent and I know that there's sexual brokenness as part of my past that we might have to put some real work into once we get married of figuring out what does that mean then for us to be a married couple and to work through and help me to heal from some of the things that I've experienced. Um, But that's going to be part of the process and that's going to be part of what marriage looks like for us. And that's good. That's something that I believe God has for us in marriage.
2: Yeah. I think what, what I hear you saying is the the way that healing comes out in light of your sexual brokenness is that decision of when you get married is the promise that I'm going to work this thing out, Yeah, you know, amongst many other things, but I am committed to you for a long time. And so I think that's why sex matters a lot within marriage, because there's there's a, a promise attached to it that i'm gonna be with you I'm going to work this thing out with you, no matter what your previous experience has been mm-hmm. and and we're gonna we're gonna work through healing together mm-hmm. and so I think that's that's meaningful. I think that's really important you know um, to have those things <laughs> no pun intended, but to be married together
0: mm-hmm. I realize I just maybe opened a can of worms talking about like not having sex outside of marriage as being part of our faithfulness to God. So I want to acknowledge that, that we're not really exploring that concept here, but we would happily in other venues. Um, I think I say that because I believe it's part of the the healing that God has for us, that he desires good things for us, that he knows us really well and knows the things that will help us and the things that will harm us. Um, And so that's my heart in sharing that. It's not meant to be condemning if that's your situation where you are right now. I think we're all in process and we're all learning what it is to be faithful to God. And so um, if that raises questions for you, I think that's something that would be really helpful to process in a one-on-one with a mentor or um, with a core facilitator. So I don't want to just leave that there, drop that, and move on. Um, I do want to acknowledge like that's sensitive and really hard for some people to hear. And so we want to have more conversation about that, if that's something you have questions about. That.
2: Yeah, I think the reason we're t- spending a little extra time on this topic is because all three of us in this podcast have experienced varying levels of sexual brokenness and um, have been married and had to navigate through it or about to get married. You've probably, I'm sure you've already had conversations about it with Trent. And Mm -hmm. so um, this is not like we're, I hope we don't come across as like, just avoid sex at all costs and, and adding shame to your experience. But really I hope you hear that our heart is from a place of compassion. And I know it's likely that at some level, most people in marriages are going to bring some level of sexual brokenness. And the more you can minimize that, I think the, the more, um, the less healing that has to take place. And I'm all about like, I don't know, the less healing, the better in my life. Care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so really our heart is, is for you and for if you get married, um, whoever you're married with, to just save you a lot of like grief and hardship that you will have to navigate later. And so, but if you have experienced sexual brokenness, man, we're so for you. And Jesus has done amazing work in all of our lives and beginning to heal us and has healed us in different ways. And, and I mean, that's the good news of Jesus' life is that he's not a God that says you're left in brokenness forever, but Mm -hmm. is a God that says, Hey, I've come to rescue you. And so we love you guys.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to our next question, which is sort of about talking about what, What makes marriage according to God (laughs) special, right? What are some ways that living out marriage in a Jesus-centered way is different from what a secular marriage might look like?
1: I think that uh, marriage in the secular world is a... Like, there are a lot of people that I know or couples that I know who are are not Christians who have wonderful marriages. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that we as Christians have a monopoly on um, good marriage. Um, But I do think that... um, we have an example in Jesus um, that for me helps helps to guide and really um, color in how I interact with my wife. Um, and that's that that Jesus, he put others before himself. He served others first. And so something that, that I think um, kind of helps a Jesus-centered marriage stand out than maybe a secular marriage is that um, you get to look at the example of what Jesus has done for you, and then out of that, um, that grace and mercy that he's extended to you, then you get to be gracious to your spouse and love them and serve them um, out of what you've seen Jesus already do.
0: Yeah, the Bible talks about this. Like Marriage is a model that reflects Jesus' relationship with the church. Um, like this level of commitment, this level of love um, in the way that we relate with Jesus is something that marriage is meant to to reveal, <laughs> to show what that kind of commitment is like. Um, and there's ways that singleness reflects our faith too. Singleness points to um, the soonness of Jesus's return and the urgency of that, and the need to not get caught up in other, maybe even in other relationships that keep us from focusing on the work that God has in this world for this time. Um, but both of those, both of those, singleness and marriage model Jesus's relationship in some way. And so we can keep that in mind and that helps us to love the other people around us um, as we reflect that model to the world.
2: Yeah, I think, um, and I don't know if Christians have done this, been the best example of this throughout the years, but um, I think Jesus's view of marriage has a high, high, high level of commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the biblical word is covenant. Um, and it's like a it's like a contract, but way more relational. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and it's really like I'm not leaving. <laughs> and um, and so I, to me, like, sometimes we think of contracts as like actually really annoying, you know, like I'm in my my phone contract and it's like actually restrictive. Um, but I can just attest to... Having been married almost ten years, how comforting being in a in a marriage that I know that Daviel not going to leave me, and and not only like she's not going to leave me, but she's really committed to working things out. So she's also not going to drag me along in a really awful marriage. But she also is very committed to me and to us, and that is like really comforting. It like conflict can happen way better when I know that this person like this person. Is gonna stick it out, like I don't have to be concerned that after this argument, like they might leave me and the kids. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so Jesus's view of of covenant marriage, um, I think, is a really different idea than I don't think people in our culture necessarily get married planning to leave, but I do think um, the level of commitment is much smaller. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so that would be a distinction that I that comes to mind mm-hmm. when I think about marriage, as far as biblical marriage versus kind of our cultural ideas of marriage.
1: The author Gary Thomas talks about holiness being more important than happiness, and um, I've actually heard you say it before, Joey, um, just a little bit ago. Um, but it it reminds me that um, in the in a Jesus centered way of of being married. Um, you're you're not just thinking of what feels right or what is good for my world but you're thinking um how am i as a, as a person who is set apart to be used by god how um how should i live how should i act and orient myself with other people and that includes being married how it includes how you interact with your spouse and so i think that, that for me um, sometimes things um, like doing the dishes or um, doing the laundry is not fun. It's not something that makes me happy. Um, and I guess in some way it does make me happy because then it's done and the house is clean. <laughs> but really I'm doing that because I want to serve Maya. Um, I want her to be happy. I want her, like when she comes in in the door at the end of the day, I want her to, to look at our house, our apartment, and not be stressed. Mm-hmm. I want to serve her first. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that if that answers mm-hmm. your question, Cassie, but um, that's something that I, I think is, is unique about a um, a Christ-centered marriage. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Shout out to the prophet J. Cole that sings, I want to fold clothes for you. I want to make you feel good. Mm. <laughs> I want to do the right thing. Yeah, marriage is so much more fulfilling when it's about the other person and serving the other person than it is about seeking my own gains.
0: Yeah. And I think too if your marriage is based on this person makes me happy what about when life gets really hard and they're really frustrating to you and now you're not happy anymore like you have an invitation if that's what your marriage is based on to leave and I think when Jesus invites us into marriage or that or we have a choice to be married like he's saying well no <laughs> your happiness is is not actually the most important thing about this relationship anymore you know it's a it's a component of it you can be happy in marriage that's good Um, But that's not the point, actually.
2: Yeah. I mean, early on, and I know I've talked about this in the podcast a lot, but in year two or three of being married when I'm watching my mother-in-law go through cancer and my wife, you know, like going through the greatest grief that one could ever imagine, it was not very happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that expectation that that marriage was going to like fulfill all happiness and you know, my spouse was going to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. That was like really hard for me to grapple with at first of like, oh, yeah, this person has no capacity whatsoever to even think of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and that's OK, actually, because they're grieving. And so, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think something else that we mentioned, Gary Thomas, but something else he says that I found really helpful was it's not about finding a soulmate in the way that we tend to think about it. Um, That idea actually comes from like Greek culture. They would talk about how um, they had this whole mythology around how we were once people kind of like conjoined twins. And then our our halves got separated. So our other half is out there and we need to find them. And once we find them and we're together, then we'll be a whole person. Like that was their notion of marriage. Um, And I think our culture has adopted this of like, oh, my other half is out there. Or even once we're married, oh, that's my other half. Um, but that's not what Jesus invites us into. He's not saying you're a half a person. <laughs> like that's not what it means to be made in the image of God. Um, and so Jesus invites us to have a soul mate, but soul being spelled S-O-L-E, like one mate. Um, one, like one person that you're faithful to, but they're not another half. You're a whole person and they're a whole person because of our relationship with God, because of the ways that he's healing us. Um, and out of that, as two whole people, we get to come together and build a marriage that is faithful to God. Um, so I just find that that analogy helpful. I think it uh, refutes some of the things that we have in our culture of like that other person is out there for you. And it has to be the one right person. It's, it's more about your commitment to this person than it is about like they complete all of the things that you're broken in. They're actually not responsible for fixing your brokenness. You are. And Jesus is.
1: He does a little bit on the side.
0: He does well. He helps a lot. <laughs> he
1: does. I heard a uh, a speaker one time. He was talking about how um, when you when you enter into marriage or any relationship for that matter, um, thinking that the other person is going to complete you or make your life better, it's like a mosquito looking for a dog, and the mosquito is looking for the dog to suck their to suck oh. the dog's blood and just fulfill themselves and be all fat and happy. Because um, that's what mosquitoes do. But then you, you're, you're a mosquito and you find this person and you think they're a dog and you're going to suck the life out of them. But then you get married and you realize there's no dog. It's just two mosquitoes and no one to <laughs> suck the life out of. And you're just, it's just horrible. Um, so that's what I thought of when you were talking wow. about huh? the soulmate idea.
0: I didn't know where that was going, but it was, it was delightful.
1: I don't think I can get that image out of my head now. <laughs> hey, well, don't do that.
0: Don't do that. There's a lot more that we could talk about um, in terms of what it looks like to be faithful to Jesus in marriage. Um, And there are certain biblical texts, too, that point to um, what that relationship dynamic should be, especially on the question of, like, headship um, and egalitarian or complementarian relationships. If you've ever heard anything about that, Um, faithful Christians land in different ways in terms of how to interpret Scripture um, in those sections. Um, And so they're very important and they're relevant to our conversation, but we don't actually have time to like dig into that today. So if that's something that you're thinking about, or if you're like, Hey, I want to get married to another Christian and I should like explore some of these things. I think that's something we would invite you to talk about with us another time. We can't really fit it into this podcast, but it is important. And the most important thing is that the person you're marrying agrees with you. So you both have the same expectations as you enter that lifelong relationship with each other. So we would love to talk about that with you another time. Okay, so let's say that you've been dating someone for a long time, Um, you guys like get along really well, you've met each other's families, you love each other, you've said, I love you, all of that fun, mushy stuff. Um, How do you know when you should get married? Like when should you start having those conversations, talking about engagement or just getting engaged? Like what, what advice would you have for that process?
1: I think that when you feel like you're ready, you should go and talk to your trusted mentors um, and I think that you should actually go and talk to different people who maybe don't even know each other um, and ask them what they think because then you can get a sense for really what is God saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And I think that works for making big decisions in other ways than just wanting to marry someone. Mm-hmm. but. You want to go to trusted people who aren't going to tell you what you want, but tell you what you need to hear and ask them honestly, hey, I really like this person and I'm thinking about asking them to marry me. What what do you think about that? And then honestly just kind of, you know, take take what they, they have to say and, and, and really you're not, you're not going to go to one person and, and they're going to say, no, you shouldn't do this and think, well, okay, I'm not going to do it. But you just want to go and get a wide variety of, of advice so that you can – Make a an, a good educated guess um, for yourself <laughs> and, and go and then and make the decision.
0: Why is that important going to these outside sources and getting their thoughts?
1: Because your hormones, your uh your your when you're infatuated with somebody, all you think is is, oh I I I wanna be married to them, but sometimes you need someone who is not right in the in the middle of, of the they have some some context, some some detachment from the the relationship, and they can see things differently from a different perspective than you might have and be able to really speak into what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really important. Infatuation is super real.
2: And I think some of the times there's myths that we believe because of culture and things. But sometimes the myths come from just being infatuated with somebody. Like, mm-hmm. I'm infatuated with this person, and I believe that they're going to Fulfill all of my needs, desires, and wants, and so um, yeah, you know, having people that are not as infatuated with you as you are with your <laughs> your other person is okay. really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I mean with that with infatuation, I mean date for um, date for an extended period of time. We in, in our chi alpha that we a lot of us came from, it was actually pretty normal to date for at least a year, and the idea was um, that you would experience someone in all four seasons. Like, do you like this person in winter? Do you like (laughs) this person in summer? Like, and I mean, infatuation does die down at some level too. So date long enough to Mm -hmm. even for yourself, kind of like, yeah, have we had enough, have we had conflict together? Have we worked out things together? Do I like this person even when I don't always feel the warm and fuzzies? Um, If this, if you're going to be married to this person for the rest of your life, like it does not hurt you to date a little bit longer on the front end to be, to make sure. And um, sometimes we just feel a sense of urgency. And I mean, I, I felt that sense of urgency at times um, because you just really like that person, you know. And um, But this is a significant, mm-hmm. there's not, outside of following Jesus, there's not that many more significant, it might be the most significant decision you make mm-hmm. um, that can either bring you a lot of joy in your life or could bring you actually a lot of heartache. Yeah. And so I'm always down for the decisions that take, that have a longer time-wise and greater impact in your life. I'm going to take a lot longer to weigh and consider. Yeah. And so I, you, it might not be a year for you, but like, please don't do it after a week, you know, like yeah. take some time, yeah. um, talk to some other people. Um, get to and know their
0: family. Get to know their yeah. family.
2: Yeah, family matters and see them in a variety of contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was... Thinking the other day of like, you know, how could you, uh, how could you like model parts of marriage? You know, like, have you ever experienced this person with other kids? You know, if this person's gonna, you know, potentially, if you're gonna have kids when you're married, well, have you ever seen them? Have you ever watched anybody's kids together? Mm -hmm. Do you like how they parent those kids? And um, Daviel just told me the other day, she was like, I actually had an idea of how you're gonna parent because. We did some babysitting together mm. and I realized like, ooh, you're like a tiny bit more strict than I am on certain things. And that has come true in our marriage. Like I have a little more firm like, no, this is the boundaries we place and we're gonna mm-hmm. live by them. And so how can you model some of those um, relational experiences you're gonna have
1: um, even before you're married?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think we need to be honest in the, the culture that we're in, divorce is very common. And um, and marriage is is such a it's it's so important that we count the cost that we like um, consider all these factors that, that that we're talking about here because you don't want to get um, a year into a marriage and realize something like what you were talking about, Joey. That oh, this person is actually terrible. They hate kids. They never want kids when you want to have like five kids. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important that like Joey said, um, how they deal with kids, how they deal with conflict, how they deal with Mm -hmm. money, hardship, stress, Mm -hmm. so many different things. You want to have those conversations because you don't want to get into a marriage and realize, oh my gosh, this person X, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I, I have gone through some pretty hard things with my wife already. Um, And if we didn't have some conversations, like how are we going to deal with conflict, then I don't know, maybe we would have, we probably wouldn't be divorced right now, but we would be, um, it would be, it would just be different. So I think it's the best thing you could ever do, but it's, it's a really important investment. And so, I don't know, be careful.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Stay safe out there.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's hard because the time when you're trying to learn all of those things is probably when you have the strongest feelings of infatuation, right? And those can last up to two years. So I was weird and told Trent, like, let's date for at least two years before we even talk about going further than that. Um, and we had conversations along the way, but it was like, we need to take this seriously because it is a serious decision. Um, and I know that people can change, right? People, once we've been married for 10 years, will be different people than we are right now. but. I want to make sure that his character is as good as it can be. I want to know how he deals with anger. I want to know how he deals with stress um, or with mental health even um, before we get married. So that then once we're married, it's like, oh, well, I have the tools to help you. But I also know that this isn't going to get to a crazy level where we need to, you know, take some more some more serious steps. I think also like you need to become the right person, right? As much as it is about like you need to get to know this other person and like how they handle these different situations you need to know if you're ready to make the level of sacrifices that might be required of you right away. Um, you don't know what life holds a month into your marriage, but if something serious comes up, like you actually might be tested at that point and you've just made that commitment. So I think like, as you're dating, as you're discerning, like what are the next steps, make sure that you're becoming the kind of person who's ready to make those sacrifices. Um, and that you're learning how to process that with each other.
2: There are absolutely like a few things that makes, Life easier when you get married, but I'd say you know you can correct me if you think differently, John. But okay, marriage makes marriage <laughs> makes life more complicated. You know, I think that's why Paul writes um, in one of his letters to the churches, like it's better to be single. You know, and he's actually I think speaking to a practicalness of like singleness. I can I can live my life mm-hmm. how I need to. I can be I can go I could go overseas tomorrow, and it's not going to affect. You know any family, immediate family unit that I'm a part of. When you're married, like there's so much more you have to navigate. And then if you had kids, when you add kids to it, um, you have more responsibilities to it. And so you just want to take serious this time that you have prior to being married. I don't know if you'll you'll never have achieved perfect marital material before you get married. You know, is there a perfect time? When will you exactly know? You might not actually ever know that. Um, but there's a lot you can do to help prepare you well. Um, and it's just such a a significant, amazing, but significant, um, decision that it's, it's worth investing in well on the front end. Mm -hmm.
1: I agree. No objections, your honor.
2: (laughs) Perfect. I think it's funny that we haven't talked about this yet, but just as you like prepare and are trying to consider whether or not to marry this person, like don't forsake your relationship with Jesus in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he has lots of wise things to share with us and guidance to give us. And, um, you know, if we seek them seek him in a lot of other areas of our lives for direction, like why not this one as well? Mm-hmm. And so keep pursuing Jesus because you're going to need to pursue Jesus when you're together too. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't always think that Jesus every time will say, you know, hey, marry this person right now on this day, um, though I think he could, but... Um, I think just the, the simple pursuit of him while you're doing this, he's probably got a lot of things to speak into your guys' relationship already. And so um, so don't neglect Jesus throughout, throughout this process.
0: Yeah, that's good. Okay, we should wrap things up. But before we do, what is one piece of advice that you would give to people who are currently in Chi Alpha who are thinking about getting married in the future, whether they're dating someone right now or not, they're just like, someday I hope to be married, what would you say to them? I can actually go first. Um, I'm not married yet, but um, being engaged, something that's been really helpful is that we did uh, counseling, like premarital type counseling before we got engaged. Um, So pre-engagement counseling. And that has been so helpful for us, um, partly to process through a lot of things that are going to be really important in our marriage, but also to know if we're like ready for that before we got engaged and had a bunch of family pressure to like figure out our wedding (laughs) and, you know, putting down deposits and spending a bunch of money. Um, I just think it's really good. Like before you get engaged, before you make that commitment to each other and before all these other people suddenly have really strong, excited opinions about it. Um, hopefully you should go through this process of discernment and really set that aside before you're in that committed stage. So that's been really helpful for us. And I would just want to hand that off um, to everyone whenever that time comes.
1: One one piece of advice, I would say don't rush it. Be present in the season that you're in right now and trust that God is preparing you for what he has for you and and you're going to be okay. If you're single for another year and you don't find anyone um, or you're single for five more years, be present in the, the season that you're you're in, and allow God to work. Too often, we get caught up in what other people are doing and what God has for other people, and we forget that God has placed us where He has for a reason. And um, and I think that that yeah, my my marriage should glorify God. But um, and Cassie, your dating or engaged season right now should glorify God. And I think if you're wherever you're at, that should glorify God. So I think um, the one piece of advice would be don't rush it. Allow God to shape you right where you're at that's good
2: um two things one like let me whoa, whoa. let she me uh one thing. i know but the first one's quick and Joey's it's cheating. it's meaningful <laughs> and i've been married a little bit longer so i, I get a bonus one dang okay. so the first one was just simply like let my wife and i buy you a meal or make you a dinner and come over and we'd love to just talk about it with you like um i think what. And it doesn't have to be us, but like, what was helpful for us in our dating experience was there was a couple in particular that was a few stages ahead of us, both when we were dating, engaged, and then early married, that we just watched their life and like, watched their kids and went to their house for meals. And you learn a lot by listening to podcasts, reading books, but you also learn a lot by just observation. And so find, if there's a couple or a family that you like, really look up to like just try to be around that family and ask ask to hang out with them ask if they have kids ask to hang out with their kids the other thing that just came to mind was like marriage is going to be what you put into it and so you can start before you get married um, but then definitely continue when you are married and so the you know i don't want to be married to anybody else i'm so glad that i'm married to Daviel. it has not fixed all my problems but there's been so much more joy in doing life with her. Uh, I heard someone say one time that, like, you don't get married because you can't live without someone, but you get married because you want to live with them. And I, like, I am so glad that I'm married to Daviel, and I get to do life with her. And I, the longer we get married, I feel like the more blessings we experience because it has been important to us to put in a lot of work to steward our relationship well. Um, and I think we've been blessed. We didn't have everything figured out for sure before we got married, but we, I think we blessed ourselves too by, um, by taking time to consider each other and, and have hard conversations even before we got married. So um, so if you want a great marriage, put the time in to have a great marriage.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> let's close with that thought. We hope that these things are helpful for you as you think about how faith and marriage relate to each other and what that might mean for you someday. Thanks for recording with me, Joey and John. And thank you, listeners. Feel free to reach out to us if you want to talk more about this. We would love to process these things or any other questions that you have. May God bless you this week, and we'll see you soon.